Wine, Food, Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. I'm Jeff Sheckman. It used to be that drinking wine was once considered a luxury. Today, drinking, enjoying, understanding have become mainstream. What's more, it now may be absolutely necessary just to get through each day. But even if it's required, it can't hurt to know more about it, to better appreciate it, and to be a more informed drinker. We're going to talk about that today with my guest, Marissa Ross. She's a contributing editor and wine columnist for Bon Appetit. Her column, Unfiltered, appears monthly. She began blogging about wine back in 2012 and has since been named one of wine enthusiasts 40 under 40. Her blog, Wine All the Time, has earned her numerous awards, and it is my pleasure to welcome Marissa Ross here to talk about wine all the time, the casual guide to confident drinking. Marissa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's great to have you. Excited to be here. It's great to have you. It says on your blog that you have absolutely no qualifications to write about (laughs) drinking wine. How'd you get started doing this? (laughs) Well, you know what? It started that I didn't have any qualifications. Um, you know, I, I was pursuing comedy writing, and uh, that was what I, I moved to Los Angeles to, to do. And um, I started writing about wine just for fun at night. I would come home from work, and I would open a bottle of wine, and I just really enjoyed wine. So I started writing about it. And uh, slowly but surely, I ended up teaching myself a lot about wine while researching it and just being very, very curious and loving it. And uh, then it evolved into the site that it is now, and I was discovered by New York Magazine's Grub Street in 2015, and I didn't really think much of it. And then uh, it kind of blew up, and I was able to write the book that came out yesterday, and um, and now I write about wine full-time, and it's great. I'm so happy. <laughs> and what was it that What was the connection that you felt you had with it? I mean, plenty of people come home every day and open that bottle of wine. (laughs) What was what was the connection that you had? I I think it was just that as a writer, as someone that you know, I've I've always uh, written a lot, even as a you know as a child, and I always wanted to pursue writing. There was something about each wine to me that I. I sort of felt that each wine had a story, even if it wasn't the story that the winemaker was necessarily trying to tell, you know, it was the story that the, that the wine was telling me. And I just felt there was so much creativity and, um, just, uh, just so much character in each bottle that it, I just loved it. There, it, there was just something about it that, uh, that spoke to me as I, as I delved further into it. You know, it didn't quite start with the $3, the $3 wines that I had begun drinking, you know. Uh, but once I started, you know, expanding my palate and trying new things, I, I just felt that each bottle had, had something, had a character and had a story, and I loved that so much. Tell us a little bit about the part of kind of breaking through the, the elitism that is sometimes part of wine writing. Oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of elitism in in wine writing. I, you know, I'm really fortunate that I've been very I've been pretty secluded. You know, I I just I I write from home and um, I've been working on the book and writing for Bon Appetit and, um, you know, I I'm really fortunate that I I'm, I'm I've been accepted to be able to just have fun with it. Um, excuse me, and everyone at Bon Appetit's like really super cool and so there is elitism, but I feel that I've just either ignored it or I just you know, it's just, it's not important to me. What's important to me is getting, you know, people that maybe necessarily wouldn't be drinking wine um, to, you know, be able to enjoy it along with me. So, What have you seen in terms of millennials' attitudes towards wine? 
Well, you know, it's so funny. I get this question a lot. I think that millennials are, um, you know, I think that we do love wine. Um, as a millennial, I, I guess, you know, uh, I have to speak to that and from my own personal experience. Um, we love wine, but I also think it's partly because there's more wine than ever in the States now. Um, we're importing more wine. There's just more wine in general. So, um, you know, we're, we're drinking a lot of it. And, you know, millennials are kind of at that age where they have a little bit of money to spend on, uh, on that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think millennials are really into it. <laughs> How much did you know about wine growing up? When were you? When did you first sort of get exposed to it? So I grew up in Southern California in the '90s. So um, of course, my parents were super into wine. Um, there was always wine around. Not not in the sense that uh, I, I didn't grow up in one of those families where like I was allowed to have any of the wine. Like I, there was no childhood drinking. Um, <laughs> But I was I was exposed to it at a very young age. Um, we always had my parents always had wine with dinner, and um, I just kind of always I grew up thinking that that's just what you, you did as an adult. Like you drank wine with dinner. That's uh, that's what how it goes. So when I was old enough to drink, it was like, well, you drink wine with dinner, and then it just went on from there. <laughs> how much better is wine? Do you think if you know a little bit about it, if you bring that confidence to it? I think if you know a little bit about wine, it can be so much better. And you don't have to know a ton. But if you just know, like, what you like and what you dislike and being able to articulate that, you're going to have much better experiences with wine because you can get more of what you actually enjoy. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, they just kind of just guess, you know, or they drink the same thing all the time. And that doesn't always necessarily make it a more, you know, fun experience. I think what makes wine so great is, you know, continuing to explore it and try new things. And that's a little easier to do if you feel good doing that and not like it's a stuffy, scary thing. Mm-hmm. Talk about your own constant sort of voyage of discovery and always looking for new things and new wines. Yeah, I I try really hard. I mean, of course, I have my favorites that I, I love um, to drink, you know, we as we all do. But I try really hard to every single time I go into a wine shop, I always ask what's new, and I always buy things I've never had. I love trying new regions, um, new varietals, everything that I've never had before, that's what I want, or like the weird stuff, and I want, I just want to try everything. I just find that that's the most fun way to learn about wine, um, and I think it's the easiest way to learn about wine, because if you enjoy drinking it, then that's way better than, you know, uh, than studying and all sorts of stuff, so I, I, I'm just... I love it. It's just so much fun. Talk about all the jargon that surrounds wine and and kind of appreciating it and cutting through it at the same time. Yeah, and that's and that's hard because you know we wine's like anything else where you know you do have to have a certain language to it in order to talk about it. But there is so much that doesn't you know you don't really need or or at least I don't think you need. I think it's okay to, to talk about wine in terms that you're more comfortable with, you know, but at the same time, it's important for people to, like, understand what tannin are and, like, and how that affects the wine um, while still being able to be like, oh, this is, like, a really juicy, cool wine and, and it being okay to describe a wine however you want to. One of the things you do, and, and, and this really goes to the core of so much of your writing, is that you take it seriously on the one hand, you respect it, but you don't take it too seriously that it becomes all-consuming. Talk a little bit about that yeah. balance. Well, I think it, it has to do with, um, I think that philosophy comes actually from when I was, 
So I was pursuing comedy writing and acting. And the one thing I always said was, like, I take what I do seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. You know, like, you should take your work seriously, but if you take yourself too seriously, you're not going to have any fun, and you need to be able to laugh at yourself. Um, and I just still apply that to wine. You know, it is something to be respected. It's an art. But at the same time, if you're going to be excuse my language, but if you're going to be up your own ass about it, then, like, there's no fun in that. That's just, like, you're being a jerk. So I think it's important to be able to recognize that it's that it is a beautiful thing, but it's something that you can have fun with. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be stuffy. Right. And, of course, one of the areas where it gets stuffy, people get all caught up, and, and you write about this, with how they pair it with different foods. Yes. Yeah, people get really caught up with that. I have a chapter in my book about how to do it and, you know, suggestions. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is, you know, wine is for enjoying, just like food is for enjoying. And you should really just really do what makes you happy. So even if you're like, even if you think that, um, you know, Chardonnay and steak are, are the best pairing in the world and someone else disagrees with you, that's fine because you enjoy it. And that's what wine and food are all about. Mm-hmm. What what are you enjoying these days? What new things have you found that uh, you've been pursuing? So recently, I've been kind of like diving in, like I've been in the, I mean, it's the shallow end, because uh, they're kind of hard <laughs> to find, but there's a lot of wines coming in from like the Czech Republic that are really interesting, like Pinot Noir and like a Gruner Veltliner that um, by this, um, it's a producer named uh, Nesteret, and it's such it's such an interesting thing because you just don't really think about um, the Czech Republic and wine. And I love stuff like that where you're like, wow, this is something that I never thought was possible, like to be drinking a Pinot Noir from the Czech Republic. And I am, and I'm enjoying it. So I love I'm loving that. And I also am really into wines from um, Abruzzo, Italy, right now. Um, they're just doing a lot of really cool stuff and um, having a ton of fun uh, exploring those wines. One of the things today, you touched on this a little earlier, is that there's wine everywhere that everybody's making. It, I think probably all 50 states, including Alaska, are making wine now. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I know, it's incredible. I mean, there's even um, there's a new winemaker that's out of, like, Utah that makes incredible wine. Um, and, you know, here, well, here in New York, there's wines that are coming out, and, and they're great. And it's really cool because America's wine culture is so young in comparison to the rest of the world, and we have so much to explore and um, discover here in our, in our own backyard, and it's a really exciting time to be um, an American wine consumer. Mm-hmm. How's the rest of the world looking at this expansion of, of winemaking and wine culture here in America? It's interesting. I think that they, 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 I think they have like a, I think that they're, they're happy about it. I mean, they're very happy about it because we're drinking more of their wines too. Um, And I think that, I I think it's, I think that they still think of mostly just California. Um, Like when I'm like in, like I was recently in Italy and I was in France earlier this year. And I think that they still mostly are just like, oh, that's odd. What do you mean they're making wine in, in Washington or Oregon? Um, So I think that they still have like a, they still think that we're mostly California, but I think that it's good. I think that um, a good winemaker knows that um, it, the more the merrier. If we're, we have people drinking more wines, then you know, everyone can make more wines. Is it your sense that maybe we, re- we max out at some point, that there's just too much, too many choices, too much wine around, and that it kind of scares the consumer off? It does, yeah. It is really scary. I mean, there is so much wine 
And on the one hand, yeah, it, 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 it's really scary. But on the other hand, like, that's what keeps it, like, exciting and, and um, why it's a limitless why it's a limitless uh, subject, you know, if, if, it, if there was like a definite or like a finite amount of it, you know, then, then you could like kind of reach an end. But I, I think that the fact that there's so much um, is what keeps people curious and it, it gives you, it, it makes wine like a lifelong passion rather than something that maybe you pick up for a couple of years and then you learn everything and then you're over it. Um, so it's both ways. <laughs> You wonder if if it also isn't facing stiffer and stiffer competition from the whole craft beer craze these days. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that the craft beer phase, uh, like craze, is good actually for wine because I think that it's opening people's eyes to the fact that you know wine is something to care about and um, that should have thought to it as well. You know, people are are more mindfully consuming food. They're more mindfully consuming beer, and I think that um, they're going to start consuming wine in similar ways that they do craft beer or organic food, and I think that that's really good. Talk a little bit about Bon Appetit and, and writing for them and how seriously they want to take wine, given what their food mission is. Yeah, I mean, they are... I love working for them, uh, first of all. Um, it's kind of a dream come true. I, I, uh, I've, the day that I got a job offer from them was like banana. I, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it sometimes. Um, they They take their wine very seriously, and I think that it's something that we're working into because they haven't had consistent wine coverage really. Um, so it's something that we're working on together to make, to sort of bring their readers into wine more and making it more approachable and fun. And, and they, they're really great. They give me a lot of, a lot of uh, creative control over things and um, they let me write about wines. You know, a lot of other people probably wouldn't let me write about or, um, and that's, and that's great. <laughs> And talk about your blog, Wine All the Time. So yeah, so that so that's the blog that started it all. I just uh, it, it's it's mostly the, while the book Wine All the Time is really a more practical guide to like how wine is made, how to taste wine, all those things. Wine All the Time, the blog is really about just individual bottles, and um, I, I get some flack for this because I don't write negative reviews. But it's because I just don't believe that I should trash something if I don't like it because wine is so subjective. I just don't think that that's fair to do. Um, so it's just a, it's a collection of wines that I love, and I, I just write about as I drink them, and I hope that other people read it and enjoy it, enjoy the writing, and hopefully go pick up the bottle and try it themselves and enjoy it just as much as I did. Talk a little bit about traveling as it relates to wine. You know, you mentioned, you know, trying wines from Czechoslovakia. It obviously makes you want to go see what they're doing there in Czechoslovakia with wine. Yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely. I um, I was pretty much chained to my couch for a year and a half writing the book and um, getting the job at BA. Um, so this this past year, I've done a lot of traveling, and it's so great to go and see where these wines are being made and the culture that surrounds them. And it really helps you understand the wine even more because you have like a, you just have to get a better idea of the environment, not just the, not just the, um, not just 
excuse me, not just the actual vineyard environment, but also the culture around it, the food around it, and what really inspires these wines from different parts of the country. And expand on that a little bit and why that's so important, because it is so different in, in that respect from so many other art forms. You know, you go to a museum and you look at a, a piece of art of some kind, you don't get the opportunity to meet the artist. But with wine, when you do that kind of traveling and you go to those places, you really do get to meet the people involved with it. Yeah, and it's it for me. That's like what I'm really passionate about is um, going to these places and meeting the people that are making these wines. Because it's I think that often we think about winemakers as like these rich guys that like live in a chateau and like make wine. And you know, it it that's not usually the case. Like usually the case is it, that it's a really small business, you know, and it's someone that's putting their heart and soul into making this wine. And to go and be able to be with them and understand, you know, the like the wine that they make, and like maybe perhaps they make it a certain way because it 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 pairs better with their mother's like famous dish, and and you know what goes on in their village and things like that. And you really get a sense of um, of who these people are and the stories behind these wines, and it just gives you such a greater appreciation for what goes into every bottle. Not to mention that French wine or Italian wine or Czechoslovakian wine tastes better when you drink it in the original country. It does. It does. It's true because it hasn't had to travel all that way. You know, it's uh, there's something really, really special about drinking um, someone, you know, seeing where someone makes their wine and then drinking it in their cellar with them. There's just nothing, nothing better. <laughs> then, of course, there's the question, given the blog, given uh, Bon Appetit and the other stuff, you know, how much wine can you drink in any given day? <laughs> well, I try not. Yeah. I drink. I mean, I I probably don't drink as much as people think I drink. I I think that I think that people think that I'm just drinking all day, which is not the case. I wouldn't be able to get much done if that was if that was how it went. Um, but you know, I I usually try at least a couple bottles a day, um, or, or try not to drink every day, but it's kind of hard sometimes not to. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I try a couple of bottles every day, and I don't finish the bottles. You know, I may only have a glass or two. Um, you know, from each or, you know, maybe only half a glass. But, yeah, there's a lot of wine to be consumed. But I, I but it's a challenge that I take gladly. <laughs> these, these days we can't drink too much. That's the other side of it. No. Yeah, I, I know. So I, I, yeah, I heard that in the intro. I was like, oh, don't I know it. Uh, Marissa Ross, <laughs> her book is Wine All the Time, The Casual Guide to Confident Drinking. Her blog is Wine All the Time. Marissa, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.